0: How's it going, everybody? We're back for episode 13 of the 4 Verts podcast. Football season's winding down a bit, but we're still here. We're still going strong, bringing you all the same content as normal. Uh, so I hope you enjoy. Let's get it. All right, let's get into the Georgia Tech at NC State recap, Sid.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm going to keep it short tonight. Traveled up there with pretty much our JV squad. By the time it was uh, all said and done, I give props to us for at least playing. Uh, we played some guys. I told Sam when we were watching the game, it's like, dude, I ain't hey, dude, I ain't touch the field all night. Um, guys like Kaya Wright, freshman defensive end slash linebacker. And um, we had three defensive ends the whole night two true freshmen. So uh, they played actually really well. I think they're going to be pretty good. Defense actually played well. We gave up three points in the second half. That's what's frustrating. So offense just would get down to a 30 and in, and we would just sputter. I mean, we would just stall out, do stupid mistakes, uh, one drive. Actually, I went back and watched it. Jeff actually scored, reached across the goal line, but we went hurry up because they had a guy down and we were trying to go with 10 on 11 situation. And we false start on the one yard line. So we got backed up. Then Jeff gets it back down to the one. And we false start again on the one. And then we ended up stalling and having to kick a field goal. Um, there were a couple of times we got inside the 20 and kicked a field goal. Before the half, we got inside the 20, didn't kick a field goal, went for it on fourth down, didn't get it. So um, we left a lot of points out there. Sucked. We out, we out uh, gained NC State. I really feel like we played better football than NC State. I mean, we were just gashing them. They like to uh, – they run like a three-man front. They were slanting, and we were trying to catch them in that backside gap, and we did it a lot. Um, offensive line played pretty decent. Pass protection wasn't great, but not sure what was going on with our receivers. There was like talk of the announcers talking about how they get in halfway into their route and just start jogging and stuff. Um, Adonicus actually played really well. That was his best game. He went for over 100. So – it was just frustrating. I think if we have Jameer, <clears throat> we score at least two more touchdowns because there were some of those open runs. Like it was just it was some of the biggest holes I've seen all year. And you know Jordan's a little bit slower. Um, something's not right with him still with that that foot injury. So Jameer, I think he hits those and he's gone. But I mean, you don't have it. You got to do what you got to do. So it was kind of frustrating to go up there. Um, it was good to see some young guys play and get some good burn in and uh, play well. Kyle Kennard and Jared Ivey are going to be really good for us at defensive end. And um, other than that, man, I don't have a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just you kind of see it as all around the all around football as the season's gone on. Teams are just getting decimated. The roster just getting decimated yeah. by either injuries or by COVID. All sorts of stuff. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. We, I mean, I could read out the list of guys. It's pretty much every big time starter on our defense. Um, not put, didn't play. And, uh, we actually moved Charlie Thomas to from the nickel position to like a, uh, rush in slash defensive end slash then he played out some outside linebacker. So he played all over the place. Um, I think we found out that morning and at the team breakfast, we are moving guys to different positions. We only had two guys at the nickel position. Um, so, it was really just a hodgepodge of guys out there playing defense, and they actually played pretty – I mean, NC State's not that good, I get that. But still, shit, I mean, I'm surprised we didn't give up 50 – Give up three points in the second half. So, I don't know. It is what it is. Got to play. So, no excuses.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, nice short recap. I guess we can go ahead and hop over to the Clemson recap. How about it, Sam?
2: Mine probably won't be that short, so I apologize, guys. I mean, offensively, I felt like this was probably one of the worst games of the year for Trevor Lawrence. Um, You know, 12 of 22, 195 yards, I think. Um, So, he just kind of looked out of sync the whole night, really – I mean, it was cold as hell. The wind was blowing. I don't know if that factors into it at all. But, you know, I mean, he really he really just had three bad throws going back and looking at it. Early on in the game, he had Cornell Powell on a, on a post. And the safeties are converging on him. And underneath, I don't know if it was the nickel or, or who it was, but somebody else is coming underneath. He throws it into triple coverage. And the ball ends up hitting Cornell Powell in the, in the helmet in the middle of that pile. So, bad decision, but a hell of a throw. Um, the second one he had Braden Galloway coming across his face in the middle of the field. The He's got Cornell Powell on another skinny post. The, the corner drops back 10, 15 yards with Cornell Powell and man coverage and then him in the safety switch. So he, he's able to, to come back downhill and pick up on Galloway. And the throw was just late. I mean, Galloway was wide open for the first 10 or 12 steps of his route. Um, but, I mean, it should have been a pick. Um, I can't remember the guy. Guy's name number twenty-seven. He he jumps in front of it and had both hands on it and just dropped it when he hit the ground. Uh, and then obviously the the pick in the end zone. I mean the safety just rolled over the top and he's locked in on the dig route. Never even saw uh, Divine Diablo coming across. So just little things like that that you don't really see from Trevor Lawrence too often. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm concerned about it, but you know I mean I, I did think there was a few opportunities to run on third down. Uh, I mean. It, but the one thing that, about running is that we did run him more. He had two rushing touchdowns. The first one was a was a pretty pretty long one, almost 20 yards. Um, Davis Allen had a really nice block on the outside on that play. But um, I just felt like, you know, again, just it just seemed like something was a little bit off with our entire team. We just kind of looked flat. Um, but we got the win. And with that win, uh, Trevor Lawrence became the new uh, school record holder for most wins as a starter. Um, that was his 33rd. Tosh Boyd and Deshaun Watson um, were tied uh, with first prior to that with 32 career wins as a starter. So it just speaks to, I mean, how, how ridiculous the run's been uh, since Deshaun left and, and Trevor stepped in. So, um, but again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried about Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, Travis Etienne, I, I talked about him struggling and, uh, well, not necessarily him, but just the running game as a whole between him and the offensive line. It, it just hasn't looked good all year, but he he, I mean, he had 55 yards on, uh, I think, 11 carries in the first half. Um, I thought we were running the ball well. I thought we'd have some holes um, against Virginia Tech's defensive front. We did, um, but in the second half, we just kind of went away from him. I think he ended with 16 carries for, for maybe 65 or 70 yards, but really really didn't touch the ball a whole lot in the second half. Um, I mean, he had, he's only got two 100 yard rushing games and they were two of the first four games, not counting Citadel because he played like 19 snaps, but he hasn't broken hundred since we played Miami. That's been two months ago. Um, Another interesting thing is that, you know, we haven't, we haven't run the ball well this year. So we have tried to give him the football and the passing game and, you know, with quick outs to receivers and RPOs and stuff just to extend the run game. But we didn't even do that. I mean, he only had one catch and went for a yard. And then he's had four catches the last two games. Prior to that, he was averaging four and a half a game. So really, I don't know if we're trying to to take some miles off of him and then have him fresh for the postseason. But you'd think he'd be fresh because we're not we're not trying to run the ball like that anymore. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how we use him. I feel like as the entire offense, the play calling was just extremely conservative, very vanilla. You know, against Miami and then Pitt a week ago, I thought we looked pretty creative against Pitt. We had some, some end around. We were using Amari Rogers and some, some Chiefs-style plays. Um, obviously, the flea flicker. Uh, we were mixing up our tempos. But against Virginia Tech, you know, they wanted to bleed the clock, and they did. Uh, so we only had, I think, 50 offensive snaps, including penalties, or maybe 52. Um, so really, we weren't on the field that long, and we just we didn't do anything spectacular. Um, obviously it was nice to see Darian Rincer bust the long one at the end for a touchdown uh, going for 50 yards. Um, and the, the tight end usage is something that I, I think has been a little bit strange all year uh, because I talked about this earlier on in the season, how we wanted to attack the middle of the field more uh, using Travis Etienne or tight ends and and even Amari Rogers to, to attack, you know, the seams and, and between the numbers. But, you know, uh, Braden Galloway on the first – Uh, I guess it was the second series of the game, you know, that little fake pitch play we do to the right. And then Trevor's, you know, he's got a tight end wide open. I think we've run that play maybe three or four times this year and every single time it's just been a huge hole for the tight end in the middle because the linebackers get carried away, you know, running to ETN. Um, But for Galloway, I mean, he had, he caught that on that play and went for 49 yards. That was the only catch he had. It was the only time uh, we targeted him, except for a third down when Trevor could have run, but he threw it to Galloway when he was already a step and a half out of bounds. Um, so, I mean, he didn't really play a whole lot after um, the, the first quarter. Uh, Davis Allen has been playing more and more recently because the coaches just trust him more as a blocker. He's more physical. I've, I've talked about this a little bit, um, but he's starting to play a majority of the snaps, uh, Davis Allen is. So, you know, he, he's normally very, very good in blocking. There were a few missed assignments um, in this game. But like I said, on, on Trevor's first touchdown run and even, you know, even as the game went on when we started to mix in Lynn J. Dixon and all Davis Allen, it's just he's so much more physical at the point of attack that, you know, when he's on the field and not getting thrown the football, he still makes an impact. Uh, he did have two catches. I think he had maybe 13 or 14 yards on him just underneath stuff. Um, but, Again, I, I don't really have a whole lot to say offensively. I thought we looked okay, um, but again, just kind of flat. Uh, definitely not the the sort of juice we had uh, coming out last week against Pitt. You know, defensively, I thought we played pretty well. We, ha- we had a couple of chunk plays, but, um, you know, Virginia Tech has a really, really good offensive line. We knew that uh, second highest graded unit uh, up front in the country coming in, uh, and I thought we held up pretty well. I will say that you know, they didn't blow us off the ball, but we did struggle to, to get off blocks. Uh, one thing you'll see, especially in the first half, going back and watching the game, was that, you know, they would, they would run these stretch runs uh, to try and get uh, Khalil Herbert to the edge. And we did a nice job setting the edge, uh, but he was able to, to just stay patient and, and he would be able to either find a hole or, or cut back into an opening. Uh, but he's, he's actually a really good player. I didn't really know what to expect from him uh, just because the offensive line is so good. I didn't know if they were just opening up holes where you could drive a dump truck through it or if he was actually, you know, that good of a running back. And I was, I was very impressed with him. He was just shy of 100 yards in the game. Um, but the one thing I will say is that Brian C is as good as he is and as good as I think he will be right now, he's just, he just gets washed away you know, when against run blocking offensive lines, um, he's just not that strong at the point of attack. And I think him and Miles Murphy uh, are both sort of in that category, just in the sense that out of necessity and, and you know, just because they do have the talent, we needed them to play early uh, when maybe, you know, in previous years they wouldn't have played because they would have had time to, to put on the extra weight and, and get a little bit stronger. But again, I I think the future is bright for both of those guys, but, As of this point right now, Brissy is just not – he's just not held up that well uh, down the stretch. As far as Miles Murphy goes, I thought he probably had his best game of the season, ended with seven tackles, one for loss, a forced fumble, which was his third of the year. Um, You know, he was in the backfield a little bit, but I think the biggest thing is for him, like I said, not having that functional strength yet, he did a really nice job of setting the edge. That's something that Xavier Thomas has never been consistent at, and I think that's why, you know, we've never seen him make the jump because – Xavier Thomas is hell coming off the edge, but, you know, being a consistent down-to-down defensive end, there are some things there that he just doesn't possess that I think Miles Murphy is already a little bit ahead of him in that. He also had a couple of plays where they ran away from him and he was able to, to get around uh, the, the tackle and, and run it down from the backside. Another thing is that, you know, James Galski, they said that he was feeling a little bit sore Uh, after the first drive and tried to get him stretched out. But a cold night, they didn't want to risk anything. So they pulled him, and obviously that means Jake Venables, our version of David Curry, goes in the football game. Uh, He played eight snaps before breaking his arm on the sideline. They put a plate in it yesterday morning. Uh, He's probably, probably going to be back for the playoff if we make it that far. Certainly not going to be back for Charlotte, I wouldn't think, in the ACC Championship. and, you know, it's never good that anybody gets hurt. But I will say the one thing about that is that we've – we had a really big haul of, of linebackers a couple of years ago um, in 2019. So, getting to see those guys come in and play uh, extended snaps, this is really the first chance we've had. Um, so, behind him is Kane Patterson, number 17. I thought he looked a little bit lost at first. Um, and then he started to settle in. And about time he did, he had a little stinger on his shoulders. They pulled him. And that's when uh, Levante Bentley and Keith McGuire came in, and um, McGuire actually had a hell of a game. He ended with five or six tackles, but didn't play. Uh, but really, the second half, um, and Levante Bentley is a guy that I've just been hammering. You know, we got to get this guy on the field. And we're number forty-two. Uh, he's from he's from Birmingham, Alabama. He's a he's a I think he's a red shirt freshman. Uh, but in the last two games, he's played twenty-five snaps. In those twenty-five snaps, he has six tackles all solo, three-and-a-half sacks, four-and-a-half tackles per loss, and a forced fumble, not to mention the fact that he knocked out uh, Pitts back up, and then he came in and had a sack on, uh, I guess I can't remember his name, uh, Corrow, however you say it, for Virginia Tech. He was the third quarterback they put in there. He came in and laid that guy out, and they had to put Burmeister back in. Uh, so, I mean, I'm excited about inside linebacker next year, even if Skowski leaves, because we have – I mean, we just showed that, you know, Venables is serviceable, but we have three guys behind him who are – they may not know the playbook as well, but they're certainly more athletic and they can make the plays. Um, I thought that, speaking of linebacker, going to the outside linebackers, Mike Jones and and Trenton Simpson swapped in and out a good bit. Uh, They they both stayed fresh, and I thought they both played really well. Uh, Mike Jones, Jr., was all over the field. Simpson in the second half especially was everywhere, um, playing a lot of different spots. We had him as an edge player rushing the passer, dropping back into coverage against – you know, Blackshear is a running back kind of, you know, Swiss Army Knife player for Virginia Tech. He covered him out of the backfield a few times. Uh, so I was impressed with what he did, even though he didn't really show up on the stat sheet a whole lot in the second half. Uh, the, the one guy that, you know, he had the scoop and score, uh, should have had an interception at the end of the first half. But Darion Kendrick, I mean, he looked like he wanted to play corner for LSU. Just looked extremely lazy. He was flat-footed when guys are coming in and out of their breaks in front of him, just playing way off the ball, no interest in tackling or taking on blockers whatsoever. Uh, there, were, there were plays that would run to his side, and he just, he just kind of let it happen. Um, but, um, you know, Andrew Booth, the other corner that's really stepped up as, of late, he didn't play. They didn't say why. Uh, said he'll be fine but you know Joseph Charleston at safety is is playing for Landon Zanders he also had a coverage bust early where he was supposed to cover uh, the slot guy working across the field and instead he doubled up a tight end so we have double coverage on a tight end and we have a guy running a a shallow crossing route you know 20 yards down the field with no one around him and after that I felt like he not necessarily playing scared but didn't want to be out of position play a little bit slow to the football but uh, Nolan Turner at the other safety spot has been, I mean, he's just been consistent all year uh, in the sense that he's not going to wow you out with, you know, athleticism or, or speed or length or anything like that, but he, he knows where the hell he's supposed to be. And he's always there. Uh, I think he ended with 12 tackles in this game. I mean, he's solid in coverage. He's physical and run support. He came down and, and and took some shots from Khalil Herbert and gave it right back to him. So, it's nice to see that with all the, the injuries and, and shuffling around we're doing on defense, that Nolan Turner, just, he's just back there doing his job. Um, but, again, I think with last week against Pitt being senior day and you know Trevor hadn't played in a while, we hadn't played as a team in a while, it Was there was just a lot of energy going into that game. We came out fast and the game was over in a hurry. This week was not the same sort of feel watching it. Uh, You know, I I felt like against Virginia early on, Syracuse, Boston College even, those are games where we just came out a little bit flat defensively, and the offense tried to pick up the pace and just couldn't quite get it going. But like you said earlier, Jacob, it's been a weird season for everybody with, uh, you know, injuries, COVID, uh, tracing protocol. So, I mean, every team is dealing with this. Uh, It just – it just sucks because I feel like we haven't played our best football yet because we haven't been able to consistently have the same starting unit defensively. Uh, But that said, we're, you know, in terms of uh, third down defense, we're very good. Um, You know, sacks and tackles for loss. We're still, I think, top five in those categories, but the difference between this year and previous years under Venables is that our, our red zone defense has dropped from 11th last year down to 40th this year. And we're, we're giving up more chunk plays than we ever have. Uh, so I think part of that is just inexperience on the defense, but, but also, you know, just not having the same starting guys when you're shuffling safeties in and out, having corners that are available one week, but then not for the next two. It's, it's just weird. But I think moving forward, obviously that helps you just building depth and building confidence for guys because you're getting in the game and, and having some success, but it's been a weird season. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're in a position to win the ACC and earn a playoff spot, which is where we want to be. So, uh, you know, all in all, never going to be upset when you blow out a team by 45 and you don't play your best – or by 35 and you don't play your best, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, a win's a win.
2: A win's so, a win, especially yeah. when you win by
0: five touchdowns. By, yeah, by a bunch. You know, you have a really great talent, I guess you could call it, in critiquing Clemson after they they beat the shit out of a team.
2: Yeah. And I, I find myself – I think the podcast has made me a little bit more cynical just in the sense that normally if I'm watching this game, I'm a little bit analytical about it anyway, but I would watch it and then the game would be over and I'd be like, oh, you know, I mean, we, we probably could have played better, but we, we just won 45 to 10. So it is what it is. And I wouldn't think anything else of it. But now when I go back and I rewatch the game, I'm like, it's just like, man, we I feel like we left a lot on the table, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's I, – I feel bad, you know bitching about winning by five touchdowns but at the same time well it's not
0: it's not bitching it's just kind of pointing out where the team can improve you know I mean and and no matter how much you win by your team can always do a little bit better right so
2: yeah but I think the other thing is that we have to we have to create fake motivation for a lot of these games Uh, against Notre Dame there will be no fake motivation we will get off the bus looking for blood yeah Um, so that's going to be that's I'm I'm as excited for Notre Dame as I have been for I mean pro I mean easily since I think Ohio State last year in the semifinals was one I was fired up for. I might be even more fired up for Notre Dame because they already beat us. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. I'm excited for it, but gotta wait another eleven days. So <laughs> patience is a virtue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess with that I can go into the to the South Carolina Kentucky game a little bit. I mean you know, I don't have a whole lot to say because this Kentucky game. I mean, not that it doesn't mean anything, but you know, there's a lot more going going on in the program, and you know, this this game is just on kind of on the back of my mind right now. Not really, not really been thinking about it much. Um, but you know, South Carolina traveled with 46 scholarship players, 16 on defense, and and they played. They played like that. They played like they traveled that that few players. You know. I mean, I'm not gonna say much about the defense because again, they only had, there there's only sixteen scholarship guys out there. And as great as it is to see the young guys get in and the walk-on guys get in and play a bunch of snaps and and you know, get that chance to to prove themselves, it it just shows why that why they haven't been playing earlier because they're not ready and they're they're just not they're not physical enough. They're not fast enough. They're they're not there yet to hang with SEC teams, even even a struggling team like like Kentucky. So, I mean, you know, you could we couldn't get a push on the defensive line, couldn't consistently stop the run, and couldn't consistently cover downfield. So, I mean, that's that's the three facets of defense right there, and and can't do any of those consistently. It's not going to look good. The scoreboard's not going to look good. So, you know, the offense looked really really sloppy and I mean if the defense traveled 16 scholarship players then that means offense traveled 30 scholarship players and the offense was was pretty much healthy I mean we had Chai Smith back we had Nick Muse back we had had the weapons back that we have um but they just look sloppy you know Luke Doty had a really bad game he did I'm not gonna sugarcoat it 11 for 25 which is 44 percent that's horrible 85 yards, one touchdown, one interception, one fumble. You know, I, I, I love that he's mobile. I, I believe he has the arm strength to, to make the throws that he needs to make. And I think he's a smart kid, but he's going to have to take take a pretty big step from this year to next year from, from being a freshman to a sophomore if he's going to, you know, be this be the quarterback for South Carolina and, and lead, lead the team to, you know, hopefully a winning season. Uh, the only bright spot worth mentioning on offense, really, I mean, is Kevin Harris. Went over 1,000 yards, actually went over 1,100 yards. Um, he went 21 carries for 210 yards, the second 200-yard game of the season, uh, and one touchdown. So that's really the only bright spot on offense. Couldn't get Shai Smith the ball. The carry-on joiner finally got back healthy, Got got some, got some targets, I mean, probably a chunk of his yards came from the punter from that fake punt, to be honest with you. But I mean, it's just the offense just looked sloppy. We couldn't Couldn't do much. And Kentucky's defense is is they're good, they're solid, but it shouldn't look like that. I mean, Luke Duddy, eleven for twenty five. That's that's pretty bad. But season's a wash. This game. not not that it doesn't matter, like I said, it, it, it matters, but in the long run, with everything going on in the program, it's just, it's not the most important thing right now, you know, it would have been great to get a win, it would have been great to be more competitive, but South Carolina just wasn't, they just weren't on Saturday, so, you know, there's lots to look forward to, I guess, with the new hiring of the head coach, which we'll get into in a second, but. Yeah, I mean that's really all I got. When you get beat down by by a a three and six team in Kentucky, I guess, you know, four and six now, but get beat down by a three and six team in Kentucky and Terry Wilson looks like a solid quarterback, which he's not. It just it's it's not it's not good. So, I mean, that's really all I got. Congrats to Kevin Harris on going over going over a thousand, but the rest of the team has there's a lot of work to be done. So
2: with uh with must gone is it now program instead of program or what are what are your thoughts on that
0: what are you making fun of the way must said program
2: <laughs> oh i love it this program
0: <laughs> yeah this football no program yeah no all all of that's out all of must stuff is out All. hopefully the whole culture the whole everything that he even
2: even his five stars
0: no, no, they're not out. <laughs> they can stay. Yeah, they can stay. But everything else, everything else can go. I mean, I guess, I guess with that, we can go into the first question, which is: Is Shane Beamer, which who is who was named the new head coach of South Carolina? Is he the right fit? And um, you know, I don't know. I think, I think it's gonna, it's gonna take some time to tell if if he is the right fit. I think he has a real passion for the university I think this is I think South Carolina is, is where he wants to be and he showed that in his press conference you know the first thing you look for and it doesn't really mean anything in the long run but you know you say he he won the press conference he he gave a really good press conference he said the right things he you know all that stuff he gave a little glance at at kind of what the, what the what the offense and defense is going to look like. You know, he didn't get too much into it because the whole staff is still being built and everything, but you know, I think I think it, it it's it's a hit or miss type type of hire. And like I've said before, a lot of old players are really excited about this hire. They really think he he's the right culture fit, and he's the right guy for the job. He said that he's worked his whole career to get to this point. And so you know, I'm. I mean, I'm excited about it. And there are people everywhere saying, you know, he doesn't have any coordinator experience, doesn't have any head coaching experience, all that stuff. But I mean, I don't know if all that really matters that much. I mean, it would be great if he was a head coach before, but I don't know. I don't know really necessarily if that matters.
1: Dabo was never a coordinator before he got hired.
0: Yeah, I hate that. I hate the the comparison though, because I mean, I, I know you hate I that, hate but. Dabo.
1: I, yeah, but it, he, he's also not not done a terrible job where he's at. So I mean,
3: yeah, there's worse those,
2: comparisons. It's
3: just one of those where you don't know really what's gonna happen. And, you just, he just just you know he's got ties already. So
0: and you know there there are people on Twitter talking about how talking about how we we can't get this hire wrong. You know if if we get this hire wrong and he doesn't work out, then we're really gonna be screwed. And it's like, well, we won two games this year. We won four games last year. Like, what, how, how, how much more screwed can you get?
1: Yeah. Cause you're not going to lose. There's not a, a realistic you lose to Vanderbilt ever in the future. And then I mean, it's there's just at like, least another win on the schedule somewhere at some point in the this, SEC. So this is, this is two, the higher two wins is literally y'all at y'all's floor.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't get any worse. If Shane Beamer comes in and he doesn't do well, it's like, well, we're still where, we... and that would suck, but it's not like we're going down. I mean, I mean, we're, we suck right now. Like we're, we're the, like you said, we're at our floor. So it's like this is the hire to take a chance on a guy like Shane Beamer.
2: Yeah, and the, the one thing that I will say about Shane Beamer is, I mean, he grew up like he saw his dad do it. You have to think that the, the culture of, of Carolina is going to be somewhat similar to that of Virginia Tech in that blue collar, like we're not going to get all the best recruits. We understand that playing in the SEC, there are teams that have more money, better facilities, blah, blah, blah. But it is what it is. Like, you go out and you play the games. You don't you don't win games on paper. You don't win games with facilities. You don't win games with five stars. You win games by scoring more points than the other team. Yeah. And it's also – I think it's indicative of who Shane Beamer is and the fact that, I mean, really not that long after Muschamp was fired – Shane Beamer, he didn't make no bones about it. He wanted the job. He he let everybody know, I want this job. I want to be here. Yeah. This is not, this is not Steve Spurrier, who's, you know, in the latter part of his coaching career, as good as Steve Spurrier was as, as at X's and O's. I mean, he wanted to be at Florida. Look at where he is right now.
0: Yeah. I don't think Florida.
2: Carolina was his his dream job, his end all be all. No. For Must Champ. Carolina was a rebound job because he wanted to prove that I can, I can win in the SEC. I can do this. Give me another chance. Yeah. This is a guy who's saying, I mean, he's been, you know, he hasn't been a coordinator or a head coach, but he has been a high level assistant at some elite programs over the last five years. So I think when you look at somebody like that, maybe he doesn't have all the X's and O's, but he he definitely knows what good teams look like because he's been a part of them.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, so and also
2: he, he wants he wants the job. He knows what a good program looks like. You got to think that this has this is a guy that can put the pieces around himself to start building something.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I, I think there's like a couple of things. For one, like you're saying, Sam, every place he's been, if you look at it, he's had really good coaches around him. Like I didn't realize the other day that he was under George O'Leary for a year. Like George O'Leary is a really mm-hmm. good guy to be under then I mean where he's at now then his father all those kind of things like that that factors into it and then being like I feel like South Carolina and Tech are kind of the same place right now where I your coach really has to want to be there because it's yeah. a tough place to win and like I found that Jeff won a lot of people over because you could t- there's a lot of reasons why I, I won't get into that but there's a lot of reasons why he wants to be at Tech same thing with Beamer I think that has to kind of you know, motivate you as a fan a little bit because he wants to be there. He knows the challenges, you know, he knows the dynamics of the program and what it's going to take. So I think that gives you the best shot at getting a winning culture in there.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I've, uh, in previous podcasts, I've gone over, you know, his track of coaching all all the places he's been, but some things that stand out is, you know, he was, he, he was at Georgia. He was on, on Kirby Smart's first staff when he first got a job. Um, you know early in Lincoln Riley's tenure at, at Oklahoma you know he's he's seen guys build programs as you know first second year coaches so he's he's you know he's seen what it takes to do that that kind of stuff so it's just a matter of if if he can do it which you know I'm I'm hopeful I have my garnet glasses on that he can but you know you know you never really know
2: well and that's the thing like when was, when he was hired Everybody thought that was the stupidest thing that's ever happened. The worst decision ever. So I mean it's again, I I think each each school has its own unique challenges or or benefits. So I think you you just have to get the guy that's the right fit for you. So I think after watching Billy Napier let his quarterback run out of the end zone and get safeties on consecutive drives, I'm just like you you can't really want want this guy on the headset, can you?
3: Well, I mean it, it shows who he is as a person too I mean because for South Carolina to, you know risk it all and, and instead of take you know a coach um, like Chadwell or something who has experience in the you know group five teams and is win can win ball games you know he's showing he can he can do it and to get a guy that like y'all said, is really has no experience coaching, uh, even his own side of a team really just kind of helps out. I mean, I think that shows, you know, his type of demeanor and who he is and how they uh, South Carolina believes in him.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I mean if you sure. if you really look at it, how many home run hires are there out there are out there? You know what I'm saying? Like well that's, that's Ir- what I mean. Meyer, you, you don't know. You Ir- don't know Irvin. till they are. Urban Meyer, yeah. and then there's a couple, maybe a other handful of other coaches that are home runs. Other than that, you've got a couple of routes you can go: a high-profile uh, coordinator from a Power Five school, or you can go, you know, Group of Five head coach that's tried to prove himself. Y'all went one route, and I, I think that was the route for y'all.
0: Yeah, you know and I'm, I'm and I mean, the thing is, is, is South Carolina could have went out and they could have offered Hugh Freeze the job. He's gonna come win ball games. They could have offered a guy like Steve Sarkeesian the job, you know, because everybody's obsessed with saving assistance in the SEC or whatever. But there's a reason that this guy was at the top of the list for the entire coaching search.
3: Yeah, I mean there's a reason he's there. And it's not because of experience. <laughs> exactly.
2: Well, I think another big thing is like your your the culture you want to build. I mean, yeah, Hugh Freeze can come in and recruit, do some shady shit, win, you know, eight, ten games. But do you sustain that? That's that's the biggest thing. If you get Beamer and yeah. he does it right and builds it the right way, Carolina's never really been anything in the history of their football program. So if you get somebody to build it the right way from the inside out, then, I mean, then you can literally have something, you know, that he created. Um, I mean, it's his brand and, and his – you know in his little stamp on Carolina so i hope he can turn it around and at least get y'all competitive because the east is not as open as it was but it's it's certainly not a closed door
0: yeah and i mean i think i think a culture fit is is one of the biggest things that you know ray tanner the athletic director it was looking for and you know and bob kaslin the president i think they're both looking for a, a big culture fit because it was pretty evident that the culture under Muschamp was was not what it should be, you know. It was more of a, I, you know, come here. I can send you to the NFL, but back in, you know, back in the Spurrier days, there were guys that wanted to come play for South Carolina, wanted to come win for South Carolina, and I think we lost that somewhere, somewhere in the shuffle. Well, actually, I know where in the shuffle we lost it. We lost it in, in 2015 when Spurrier walked out. But, you know, this this is a guy that he's seen the culture, he's seen the program at 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 its highest point and you know hopefully he can he can get it back there but you know some just some details on on the hire he, you know his contract's a 5 year 2.75 mil per uh contract so he did get the 5 year which you know this, this is a this is the type of guy that it could be you know a 10 15 year guy or even more really if he does well if he performs well so i think i think a 5 year 2.75 million per year is is a pretty good deal you know leaves leaves money to hire some elite offensive defensive coordinators some elite assistants and all that and and I, I guess I can get into a projected staff um, that I've been hearing rumored a little bit obviously Shane Beamer head coach at offensive coordinator it could be you know there, there's a few guys that have been floating around uh, Garrett Riley who's the younger brother of Lincoln Riley he's the offensive coordinator at SMU who's done pretty well in offense this year to say the least um, Brian Johnson at Florida the offensive coordinator he's another guy that's that's been rumored a little bit and then you know Joe Brady from the Panthers which is which is just not going to happen but a lot of people want that to happen but it's just extremely doubtful that that's going to happen because he's a guy that already came out. He already said that he doesn't really like the, the recruiting aspect of college football. And, and I think he's a guy that that's looking for a, a, an NFL head coaching job. So it's going to, the OC is probably going to be Garrett Riley or Brian Johnson, or, you know, even potentially Mike Bobo in some sort of, some sort of um, capacity, maybe a co-OC, maybe a co-head coach, um we'll, have to, we'll just have to see the QB coach be Connor Shaw um I, they already came out and, and said that he's he'll be retained so I'm I feel pretty confident that he'll stay at, at the at the quarterback coach position running back Jay Graham from Tennessee he's a solid recruiter um you know I think he'd be a pretty good hire and if not you know we just keep the running back coach we've had and obviously he did a pretty good job I mean Kevin Harris went for 1100 yards this year so there's something to say about that. Uh, tight end coach, Bobby Bentley, who's Jake Bentley's dad, obviously, and he's he's been at South Carolina for a long time. He also could take a co-offensive coordinator title, I guess. We'll just have to see. Uh, for wide receiver coach, Justin Stepp, who's at Arkansas right now. Uh, he's from South Carolina. He's got some ties here. This one, you know, I think – I think he might be pretty happy at Arkansas, so this one might be a little bit of a long shot, but that's that's just one of the names that's been rumored around. Offensive line, Travell Wharton, who played at South Carolina then played for the Panthers and the Bengals in the NFL. Uh, He was the O-line coach in 2015 at South Carolina, and then he's been the assistant O-line coach uh, for the Carolina Panthers and, I guess, the Washington football team now. So he's a guy that's been rumored there or – Another guy from Tennessee, Will uh, Will Friend, who you know he's 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 done a pretty good job setting up Tennessee's offensive line. For defense, defensive coordinator Jay Bateman, who's he, who's uh, North Carolina's co-defensive coordinator right now. I don't know how how sure that is. I'm a little skeptical on it. We'll just have to see. Uh, inside linebackers Rod Wilson, he was on the staff. Uh, this season he's a USC guy and they're going to retain him I mean I think he's done he's done a good job he's a guy that wants to be at South Carolina he wants to coach South Carolina so I'm happy with that Uh, the outside linebackers Mike Peterson he was also at South Carolina on South Carolina staff this in 2020 season Uh, I think he's done a pretty good job too and then DB's Torian Gray that's a name that's been floating around a little bit. He's Florida's DB coach who, who's a, a really good recruiter and, and has done some good things over at Florida. But, you know, with all that being said, everything, every, every name I just, I just named could be wrong, you know. This is all just – this is all subject to change. This is all just rumors. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But that's, that's kind of the staff we're looking at right now. And that's really what, what Shane Beamer needs is a really good staff around him with with the without the experience of being a head coach, without the experience of being an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator. He needs a, an elite staff to, to be around him, to recruit, to just coach the, the three sides of the ball, you know, offense, defense, special teams. So we'll see, man.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's something to be excited about. I mean, I, I was in your, this position two years ago. And uh, this—it's it, an interesting time, and it's like a kind of an exciting time because you get news all the time. Yeah, the the, there's hope. Yeah, there's <laughs> hope. There's like a like a new, like you know, you get a new lease on your football program. But then when it comes down to the season, that's when it gets uh, that feeling changes a little bit. So I'm excited yeah. to see how y'all yeah. go. Y'all, how y'all go about this?
0: Yeah. Well, I guess. I guess sticking on Carolina, Deviney, you said you had a question to ask about Kevin Harris.
3: Yeah. Uh, do you think he's going to repeat a thousand yards next year? Jacob hmm. prepared for a different you, question. Yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I, was, I was prepared for a different question, but. Do you,
3: think, do you think this is a. I'm trying to ask if. Do you think this is just, you know, one hit wonder type year? You think he's going to repeat his productivity next
0: year? Well, I don't think necessarily it's gonna be a one-hit wonder, but you know, I mean he's he's just he's just a solid running back. That's that's all there is to say about that. But but the thing is, is you're gonna have Marshawn Lloyd, the five star running back, coming back next year. It's gonna be, yeah. you know, kind of a one A, one B backfield with Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd. So they're gonna split carries more than than this year. So yeah, it's
1: kind Touch. of tough to give him that that as many touches yeah, with Marshall so, and Lloyd in the mix. I yeah, assume. but
3: and I'm so what I'm also I don't to it. Um, so this year, I mean, you kind of relied on him a lot more, you know, just because of the whole quarterback situation. And you know, if next year, you know, Doty ends up being the guy, and you know, has a pretty damn good year. Do you think? You know, we talk about Kevin Harris again next year, at all. Oh, well, I'm
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna butt into this and just say that I think for a running back and for receivers, having a thousand yards is really where, you know, that's when we say, oh, they had a good year. But I think if you have Marshawn Lloyd and him splitting carries, as well as Luke Doty running more of a a, re, a zone read offense, I think if you have Kevin Harris you know, averaging – what's he averaging right now, Jacob? Did you say it was like, like six yards a carry? Something
0: yeah, six, like that? He, yeah,
2: 6.2. So, I mean, if he comes back next year and splits carries and, you know, is able to run for, you know, 750 yards and score seven or eight touchdowns and he's still averaging, you know, six, six and a half yards a carry, I think of that you can – I mean, to me, that's even better because now we have more weapons to give the ball to. So, I think – part of the reason that he's being fed the way he is is because there's just not there's just he's the playmaker yeah
1: you know, other than i mean Shari I,
2: smith there's nobody else you can give the ball to and think okay something good's gonna happen yeah
1: yeah in terms of your answer like i don't think kevin harris goes away i don't think we would not hear from oh, him again no. i think he's too good of a running back I, I think he's a really good running back and before anybody was really talking about him i can remember early in this podcast like our first episode i was like he, he's a really good running back i think just watching him so I don't think he goes away. His production may not be as high due to the nature of the offense and the personnel next year. But I think like, if you look at it in terms of what he's doing when he is on the field is a more of a way to look at it compared to, you know,
3: in total his, production. In, in his best interest, do you think he should go ahead and leave? You think his high, highest well, draft stock is right now?
0: He can't.
3: I he's thought a, he was a junior. He's a true sophomore. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, but well, I mean without, does, without does, me his best interest. Does he go over a thousand yards next year? I mean, probably not, barring something happening to to Marshawn Lloyd again or, or whatever. But I think he'll be just as productive. I mean, he's just a guy that he can run through tackles and he's a guy that can be a home run threat. You know, he's people, too good
2: just to disappear.
0: Yeah, people question his speed, but I mean, you know, he's faster than the people chasing him most of the time. So
2: Yeah that's the thing in and a, in a key. game you're not you're not racing against the clock you're just racing against the other guys
0: exactly so there have been and it's never a fair race times. it's never
2: like we're about to line up and we're going to start on the count of 3 Yeah, you yeah. got one guy taking a bad angle and then you got yeah yeah
0: yeah but but yeah i mean he probably doesn't go over 1000 yards again next year just with the the, the backfield set up the way it's going to be with Marshawn Lloyd. You know, you got Deshaun Finwick coming back, who was pretty productive this year. You got Rashad Amos, who's a young guy, but he, he's shown some promise in these past two games with Deshaun Finwick out. Um, I think we're going to have a pretty good stable of running backs back there. So he probably won't go over a thousand, but I, I mean, he's still going to be the same guy. So.
2: Well, I guess with that said, um, you know, the, the early signing period starts in eight days uh, on, well, today's the eighth. When this comes out, it'll be later on. But uh, the 16th, December 16th is when the early signing period starts. Um, so basically, the the 2021 class is mostly intact uh, for, our, for our teams. But but looking ahead, um, tech, they're piling up transfers, uh, guys that were formerly highly recruited guys that went elsewhere are coming back home, um, so with with transfers like you know Kenyatta Watson and Kevin Harris coming in uh, to mix with a good young core, as well as you know it looks like you guys are closing in on twenty twenty two quarterback the other Kevin Harris. Yeah, the other Kevin Harris. Yeah, um, need to need to make sure that's out there. The other Kevin Harris. Sorry if you're the actual Kevin Harris. Listening.
0: Outside linebacker from um, Alabama. That's who we're talking about.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, but but Tech appears to be closing in uh, on twenty twenty two quarterback N J Morris. Um, so, I mean, Jeff Collins has another solid class as of right now that's getting ready to sign. Uh, but do you think he can turn the, the corner in the Coastal, adding in some transfers, looking like the, the quality of recruiting is, is getting better for Tech? I mean, I'll, I'll give my opinion first. Uh, I think we can turn
1: the corner as in the is not going to be great next year. I'll go ahead and say that. I mean, I think UNC is going to be a pretty good team. Um, Miami, I think they'll go back to being Miami without their one-year rental quarterback. Um, And then I know we'll play teams like Virginia Tech and stuff. I just – I don't know what direction they're heading in. But my thing with Jeff is ideally he he has said it, he doesn't want to be a transfer every year program, like where we're taking in a transfer. But he has no option to sit here and wait and turn over this roster that was so depleted of talent when he took over. If he sat here and did that, I mean, we're looking at five years before we ever see, you know – any type of turnover, but what we're able to do right now with these uh, transfers, I mean, obviously there's going to be busts like Antonio. I mean, he was a former five-star, but he just, or Antonius, I'm sorry. He just hasn't really done anything. And now he's got like some mental issues. He just opted out of the season. So, I mean, that one really didn't pan out, but guys like uh, Jack DeFore and Ryan Johnson on the offensive line, I mean, they they filled some key holes on our offensive line. And um, I, I think we can turn the corner. I think we can be at, I, I think we can finish as good as second next year in the Coastal. I mean, I really do. I think we have to get better. But, I mean, we're such a young team. I was looking at it, and we are so young. It's insane. So, um, I say yes. I think 2022 class is going to be probably the best one in school history. As of right now with projections and, you know, what the analysts are saying, it's, we got a couple brothers that are highly rated from brothers and kids on the team and stuff. So, uh, I mean, what he's doing with the talent on the roster is really good. And uh, so, yeah, I would say yes.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think short answer for me is is yes. Like you said, they're a young team, and you got to think that they're going from a triple option offense to just a completely different offense. That takes some time to to, you know – maneuver your way around recruiting and putting guys in the right spot and all that stuff but you know the thing is is the defenses look bad and, and you know that has to get cleaned up but I think Georgia Tech has as all the potential in the world to be a really good team um, and I'm rooting for them to be a really good team like you said the 2022 class is going to be really good and I think Georgia Tech's recruiting is is going to start skyrocketing because the guys on the staff are just they're just good at it. So yeah, and they have the right the right culture building. They have the right you know the slogan you know for the four hundred four all that all that kind of stuff that makes kids want to want to stay in Atlanta. They they want to play for Georgia Tech now. So I think yeah. I think it's going to be. I mean, yes, that's my answer is yes. I think they can. They I can will say like very for- soon
1: for the whole Atlanta thing and making guys want to stay there's every single one of these recruits have all been guys that have left the state and found out the grass isn't greener necessarily outside, outside of the state of Georgia. So, I mean, like I got like Kenyatta, like everybody says that guy should have been playing at Texas. They had a senior that was playing above him that he's just getting toasted. And he was like, he was in the rotation, but what started where a guy like kevin harris he should have never gone to alabama he's not a fit for that defense he's not he's not a true outside linebacker he's a rush defensive end slash linebacker that's gonna fit a little
2: bit of a tweener
1: yeah that's gonna fit perfect in in our defense A guy he's a guy like jordan Dominic. i mean he's gonna get after the quarterback and he's he's gonna set the edge really well and that's what we need that fills holes for us um we had a lot of holes on defense and stuff especially at the linebacker position so i expect us to take even another linebacker um so, I feel like, you know, that's this whole transfer thing of kids going – Derek Allen going to Notre Dame, coming back, and he's a really physical safety that's getting some some burn right now. So, that's good to see. Um, uh, like, they all just – if you leave the state, I mean, you know, that's that's kind of one of these things we're showing these kids. Like, you don't have to go elsewhere. You can come play right in your hometown, you know. And I think we're going to start playing really competitive football here soon, flipping this roster over. So, yeah, I feel great. I, feel I mean, we've never had back-to-back top 30 classes in school history. I'll tell you that. Our highest is like finished 15th, I think, in school history. That was in 2007. So, I mean, we're going to have back-to-back top 30 classes this year and then possibly – I mean, as of right now, with the way it would finish, it's ranking, say, the same in 2022. They're projecting a top 20, maybe even top 15 class. That's unheard of, three back-to-back classes at Tech. So, I mean, it's optimistic about that part. Um, it all comes down to coaching, I guess, after that, because we're bringing in talent. Do you
3: do you think it's as quick as, you know, next year, you know, get six wins and go to a bowl game, or do you think it's going to be like two years down the road?
1: I definitely think we have six wins next year. I mean, if you look at it this year, there's no reason to lose to Syracuse like we did, especially in a weird COVID year. Um, a, t- a game like NC State, if we have a full squad eh, – I I think we probably rolled them this. I mean, we should have won that game. There'll be games on our schedule that Duke, Duke should give and win. I I think we're gonna make a, a big jump from this year to next year. We're just such a young team and we have true freshman quarterbacks, true freshman running back, um, a lot of young receivers. I mean, Amarian's not even playing. So on the, and we have a new core offensive line group that is better, but they're still new. They haven't played, they have they have hardly have any games together. I mean, it's just yeah, this just this year. Was-
3: when I was watching the game on uh, Saturday, the one of the announcers, um, I think it was Kublik, because I can say his last yeah, name. Yeah, I um, think so. He was talking about one of y'all's offensive linemen uh, when Collins got there that he had to gain 50, 60 pounds because he was the triple option. Yeah, Quinny. Yeah, he, few, he, he was the he was the pull and tackle.
1: Yeah, Collins yeah. walked into the uh, Waffle House, and he was eating yeah. egg white omelets. Yeah. And he was like, hey, dude, no more of this. Because, like, that's <laughs> his diet. He was, like, a cool 260, 275. Yeah. And they're like, no, nah, dude, you got to be – so." Yeah. That's yeah, something mean, else you got to think about, too. Yeah. Sure I got – yeah. I got, like, Jordan Williams. I mean, he's played really good for us this year as a true freshman, starting right tackle. I mean, to start in the ACC – I'm not saying the ACC is the best conference. But to start – Big boy football as a freshman, you know, on the offensive line, especially at right tackle, that's pretty damn good. And to give us consistently good season. He's got to get better in run blocking. His pass blocking sets are fine. I think he'll make a big turn because we have a really good uh, offensive line coach. I mean, I trust Brent Key a lot. So I think we'll see a big, big transition from this year to next year. You know, we'll have returners and we'll have guys that know how to handle a fall camp instead of kids coming into a fall camp and their head's spinning. You know, they don't utilize it really. I mean, now I'm digressing a little bit, but from fall camp, our first game, we saw, like, a really good game. I mean, Florida State's terrible, but we actually played pretty decent. We turned the ball over too much. But then all these other games, week to week, we didn't really get that much better. But we took three weeks off, and we looked like a completely different team coming out of that. It's like kids, like, utilize it as, like, another fall camp.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: I think kids were comfortable, you know, and they had that time to prepare. So now we just got to get into a point where we get Kai's returning – that they know what's going on. They can actually get better and utilize that time to prepare and actually get better as a a squad. So I I think next year the floor is six wins. You have to have six wins. I I think we'll get there.
2: But Yeah, and and football as a whole, it's a a developmental game, especially offensive and defensive linemen. Guys don't come out of high school ready for that physically a lot. So I think with anything, the longer – I mean, Jeff Collins, you got to think to to overhaul the roster is one thing, but to have three or four years of consistency in terms of scheme, and you know, having the same right. message in terms of culture and brand, it just takes time. But yeah. I think I think with transfers and, and good talent and recruiting, you can definitely speed it up. And y'all yeah. seem to be on the uh, on the fast track here. Uh, maybe yeah. not, you know, maybe not, you know, nationally contending, but but certainly right. within the conference. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and um,
1: like you said, I mean, we have to, we have to realize, like, what Jeff's trying to do. Um, It's very hard to be patient, and the wins may not be showing up in the column yet, but if you can't tell me you can't look at this team and last year's team and say it's 100% better. We actually have an identity on offense, you know, it's just not a total mess when we're out there on the field. We have young athletes, Um, so yeah, I, I, I think, um, like you said, not nationally, obviously, but you have to compete next year and, and show six game wins, uh, six wins, I think, so.
3: Yeah, I'm interested um, to see uh, Jeff and his turnaround next
1: year as well. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if we make any offseason changes in the coaching staff. I know that's also kind of getting off topic, but um, I, I could see us making a coordinator change on one side of the ball. I don't know if that'll happen right away. that's the other thing we have a a really good young pool of coaching talent like Tashard choice has a really bright future in coaching um there's just a bunch of young good coaches so like Marco Coleman the job he's done with our defensive ends is ridiculous um he's a a first-year coach he was he was a finance guy I mean he played a couple years in the NFL after going to tech won a national championship in 1990 and then started doing finance and now he's coaching in our defensive ends are night and day so much better. It's ridiculous. So, um, yeah, like you said, Sam, guys don't come in right away, especially at a program like Tech. we got to develop those guys. Jared Ivey, he came in from North Gwinnett, and he was a really good player. He was a 5'7", but he was long, lanky, didn't have any weight. We've put weight on him, and he played really well this past weekend. He's getting a lot of playing time. And then Kyle Kennard had one-and-a-half sacks, and this was his first game of really playing a lot. He played played really well, setting the edge. He didn't lose contain. He played like he was a sophomore. So, I mean, I know there's coaching going on, and I know there's developing going on. It's just putting it together, and it showing up in the win column is a different thing. And I think year three, we got to have that happen. So,
2: like with Carolina, there's there's hope. There's definitely something to look forward to because yep. the future yeah. seems to be uh, brighter than than maybe in years past. Yep.
1: yeah, I agree. So. I uh we can move on a little bit. I had a quick question. Uh so just based on ticket availability pre game to the this past weekend, what game would y'all say was the most expensive game to get into? I already know. And if you know it, if you saw if you saw it, don't say it. I got no clue. Alabama LSU played this weekend. There There are a a bunch of of games. games, Yeah. Yeah. Like what game would y'all have any clue? Or any Honestly, idea? probably, probably dull. Yeah. So, yeah, but the Alabama L- LSU game, the cheapest ticket on stuff you could find was seventy-five dollars and fifteen cents list price for Coastal and BYU. The cheapest ticket you could find was thirteen hundred dollars and for 13, 14, 35 So, a thousand three hundred fourteen dollars. Dang. That Coastal so it a, game. It was a good-ass game though, too. Yeah, it was. But in what world? Would that be happening? I mean, that if, if, if this COVID year isn't crazy enough, Coastal and BYU was the most expensive game across the country to get a ticket to on Step Up. Gotta love that, it. that's the cheapest ticket, $1,300.
0: Yeah, and there are those mullets versus Mormons
3: <laughs> no shirts
1: going around. Funny. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. I saw that today and I was like, damn,
2: yeah, I saw that, that much was- to get
1: into that game.
2: I mean, hell Shoot, Go Shantz, baby.
3: Hell yeah. Still the weirdest mascot name I've ever heard in my entire life.
1: Yeah, they explained it in the pre-game, like college game day, the Shanta clears and still don't understand it, but it's from <laughs> some book or something.
0: Whatever, whatever. doesn't matter. They won. Yeah,
1: they're yeah, good.
0: They won. They're undefeated. Let's don't get take it.
1: this the wrong way, Jacob, but they're the second best
0: team in the state of South Carolina right now. And... Yeah, no, I already told y'all. The way South Carolina, no, the way the South Carolina looks right now, they would beat the shit out of South Carolina.
1: <laughs> they would probably beat us too. They're they're good. I think they're actually pretty good. But
0: I mean, they're definitely pretty good. They're
3: like, their so quarterbacks
0: it. about that action. Grayson yeah. McCall
2: can sling it, boy.
3: Yeah, as a freshman, it's crazy.
2: As a freshman, um, but before we get too deep into this, I guess we'll we'll move on to our final <laughs> question. So the uh, so the ACC cleaned off the plate of Clemson and Notre Dame uh, for this coming weekend, basically told Virginia Tech, hey, you've got no shot to beat Clemson, uh, Miami, sorry about it, but we're going to put our two best teams, uh, our two teams that have playoff aspirations, uh, we're just going to go ahead and basically give them a bye and, and, and put them in the championship game. In y'all's opinion, specifically Davinny and, and Jacob, who are you know not ACC fans, Do you think this was a good move by the ACC, or a little bit, a little bit of a soft one?
3: I thought it was very smart. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, obviously, I don't like it, you know, because you know it gives y'all a a better chance of having two ACC teams in the playoff, um, which might actually happen now. Um, But yeah, I mean, based off the conference standpoint that was a great business move great business decision on their part
0: yeah and i mean that those are the two teams people want to see play i mean miami's had a good season yeah i mean congratulations to them whatever whatever you want to say who cares but notre dame versus clemson the rematch is what people want to see that's what's going to bring in the most money that's what's going to bring in the most views that's what's I mean, that's just what people want to see. And those are the two best teams in the ACC. I mean, Miami's good, but they got just mollywopped by Clemson. And if you think Notre Dame would do any different, then you're probably wrong. So, I mean, those are the two best teams in the ACC. They got it right for the championship, and they, they made a good decision, I think.
2: And I think the other thing is, is that um, I don't know the exact number, but basically a playoff slot. You know, Clemson getting into the playoff is worth about six million dollars for the conference, and obviously that money is split up. Um, so having the shot to get two teams into the playoff, obviously that's that's good for everybody. I mean, even Duke football is going to be happy about that.
1: We would be very happy about that too. We take it. yeah, we'll yeah, we'll t- we'll take that. We'll split that money up. Yeah, we need all the money we can get. I, I hey, do baby. think it's interesting that they didn't they didn't kind of foresee how the season was going to go and when they were scheduling, schedule at least a Notre Dame-Miami game.
2: Well, they did give us Notre Dame-North Carolina. So, in in essence, you have Clemson and Miami and, and then UNC and Notre Dame. It's kind of, you know, quote-unquote semifinal games.
1: Yeah, I just – I feel like they could have given that game just to go ahead and make it, you know, as transparent as possible. But it is what it is. I mean, when you're scheduling, you can only do so much.
2: So, Yeah end with how crazy everything was and just wanting to have a season yeah. I'm just glad we got a schedule and got to play it
0: oh definitely yeah. <laughs> yeah but you know I guess that concludes the questions I guess we should probably throw in that Ohio State versus Michigan got cancelled which puts Ohio State's playoff aspirations in question puts their Big Ten championship aspirations in question so that's definitely a storyline to watch for um, but I guess we can I, hop into or yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I, I just yeah. feel like I, I feel yeah, let's like talk the, about
2: this.
1: The Big Ten is not going to give up their one hope of a playoff. They're going to do everything they can. Oh yeah, and they should Ohio State.
2: They shouldn't. Ohio State is the best team in that conference. They should be allowed to. I mean, it's not all their fault that their games have been canceled. I mean, this one's on Michigan. Uh, this one's really on the Big Ten. If you want to
3: look at it. The yeah, ten, ben, I don't feel sorry for them at all. I mean, the Big they Ten's leadership like, failed
1: them in August. They, yeah, they, they, they It's did. purely their fault that they have five games. They jumped the gun. They canceled the season completely. The other conferences are like, yo, let's at least wait this thing out, see how this goes. And then we're having a season right now. Yeah, there's cancellations left and right, but we're still getting football games in. I mean, there's no reason why one conference can have nine or ten games. And Ohio State, that's a, a, probably a pretty damn good team is sitting there going, well, shit, we only got five games. I mean, that's just stupid. That's all in the leadership. So I, I don't have any sympathies for the Big Ten, but the Big Ten is also going to fight like hell to get their one chance of getting a team in there.
2: It's going to be an interesting conversation when you look at Ohio State, because I think I think the Big Ten, ultimately, you can only play the games you're given. So the Big Ten, you're the one that, that you know cut the, the season short. So if anything, they should be allowed to play for their, their conference. But at the same time, if you beat Northwestern, you beat Wisconsin for the title. I, I mean, you get a trophy for it, but that doesn't really mean anything to me. You're six and zero, and you just you just beat a high school team for your for your trophy, and and now you want to you want to play against the big boys when in reality you've only played one team with a pulse, and uh, they threw for five hundred yards and they exposed your quarterback a little bit. So,
0: yeah. But I, mean,
2: I hate Ohio put, State, so I I hope I hope everything bad.
0: Happens. Ohio State can't beat any team in South Carolina, so. <laughs> Facts. Throw that out there.
3: They they uh they play Nebraska game one, beat them, beat Penn State. Who sucks? Uh,
2: These are two. Well,
3: the, Nebraska and Penn State still have a don't have a winning record. Rutgers, pretty sure they don't have a winning record. I can um,
2: give you the records if you're interested. Uh, Nebraska's Maryland's two and four. Got canceled. Penn State's two and five.
3: Look, um, look, Devine. We don't Maryland's have to know two and
2: five. We
1: don't have to know Rutgers' schedule, or or their record for you to tell us what you're actually trying to say. I mean, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's damn Rutgers. For, for it's God Rutgers, yeah. <laughs> Indiana, and then Michigan State. Rutgers could be three and zero, and I'll have the same opinion of Rutgers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, if you. Their opponents are a combined 14 and 15, and Indiana is six and one.
3: Exactly. So. Without their star quarterback now. So, I mean, it's just like.
2: It is what it is. Again, I hate Ohio State. I I hope they don't get the benefit of the doubt.
3: I mean, I just feel like they're going to find a way to get a six game or they're going to lower the.
2: Lower they'll probably they'll, they'll probably schedule 5. Nebraska again for this week.
3: <laughs> They're gonna lower it to five to get in the conference game, and then they'll be six and zero with a conference championship.
0: But you can't put them in. You can't put them in the playoff six and
3: zero. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I, mean to... I wouldn't, but it's gonna happen. If they if they there's go just, six and this... zero with a conference
0: championship, there's they are no going way, to... dude. Strength of schedule. You but look this at is a, this is, play, is a conversation dude. for.
2: This is this is a conversation for the for the uh for the playoff selection episode. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. We'll we'll move on. We'll we'll leave this one for another episode.
0: Yeah. Let's we'll
3: see. fuck off, say? It. Yeah. <laughs> facts.
0: Yeah, well, I guess we can go ahead and hop into the overviews. So, first up, Georgia Tech versus Pitt Sid. Ah, uh, yeah, this one makes me a little nervous. Um I think Kenny
1: Pickett's Probably one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC, obviously. Um, I think they're a much better team with him. Um, so, having him back for them is big. Uh, I hate Pat Narduzzi. He's one of my least favorite coaches in the ACC, him and Cutcliffe. So, he's one of those games that I really want to win. We have really weird games with them. Um, a couple of years ago, we got five turnovers in the first quarter and scored 28 points. And that game was kind of over in the first quarter. Then we had the game the next year where we lost by a field goal at the end. And then the next year we were winning and gave up a um, pass across the middle that our safety tipped and it landed right in their tight end's end and he took it to the crib for a touchdown at the end of the game. So we've, we've had some really weird games. Last year we played decent, caused some turnovers, caused Kenny to make some bad decisions. Um, offense just didn't have nearly enough against them to keep up. So, uh, I think we ended up losing like 27 to seven or something weird, but um, they're two of their best defensive players are not playing. Obviously their defensive tackle, their best player um, son with an agent the other day. So he's obvious he never announced that he was done, but uh, if you got an agent, you ain't playing. So um, he's not playing, which is big. Probably help us run the ball a little bit better And obviously Paris forward on the back end. is not playing. So um I think Jeff obviously has to limit turnovers again. He did a good job last week, although he tried to turn the ball over. Um, He did, he did a good job uh, last week. And um, so I I don't think we'll have Jameer back. It'll be a, it'll be a cold, a cold one. So that's not a good mix with a a bum hammy. I think we got to run the ball, be more committed to it. Last week we could run the hell out of the ball and then we come out there on first down and, uh, take a shot or something strange I got a strange time and then it set us back and um, we just couldn't get anything really going consistently. So also I think we need to use our know, tight end a little bit better. <sighs> give, give us some more options to throw the ball to as we're missing a Morion. We don't really have a, a deep threat anymore. So none of our guys are creating a whole lot of separation and Malachi Carter just had a rough game last week. So defensively I'm worried about us getting torched. I don't think they'll run the ball on us very well. Um, we've had some pretty damn good run defense past two weeks. Kind of gotten that figured out. We're playing a lot of young defensive tackles and interior defensive linemen that are just big boys, and they're they're clog- They're causing a lot of issues uh, up front for teams right now. Um, defensive end plays getting better, but. Worried about our linebacker and sitting in our linebacker play and sitting in that soft zone coverage that we, for some reason, went to against NC State. Um, <clears throat> after the first two series, we stopped them, and then we came back and saw, sat in the soft zone, I guess, because we didn't have a lot of depth to run main coverage all night. And it, it cost us. So, I'm kind of worried that we'll get into that again because I think we're only getting one nickel back in um, back Caleb Oliver. Nine of the ten guys are not coming back this week. As of right now, according to the ATL chart. So, that's not good. We'll still be pretty depleted. Um, I I, won't have Trace Willing. Sucks. Um, So, we'll have some young guys on the back end rotation of the cornerback spot on the other side of Zamari. So, like Tobias, and then I think Miles Brooks will start to get some good burn out there. Linebacker play is probably what it's going to come down to. Uh, So, and it's, it's good that we have Presley Harvard back, you know, having him back to punt is obviously a weapon. He's a Ray guy, semifinalist. So, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily see it going well for us. I, I hope we stay competitive. I, I hope Kenny Pickett doesn't come out there and just throw out all over us. I think he has the ability to. He's he's really good, in my opinion. Um, but they also don't have necessarily a whole lot of uh, just downfield threats at receiver and just big reception receivers. So, They got a bunch of average receivers in my opinion, so hopefully we can play a little bit more tight man coverage and get back to that coverage that we we had when we actually had the depth against like Duke or something like that, so but other than that, I mean, not a whole lot's changed personnel-wise from last week, we won't get all these guys back that we hoped we would, so like I said, one out of the ten will be back, not good enough really, but is what it is. We're not going back out of a game. we got to get Jeff these games, some live reps, and that's going to help him develop the most, in my opinion. So, um, we're going to play it if, if, if we feel like we can play it. So
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, with everything going on, with all the teams just kind of dipping out of games because they can, sometimes it's nice to see a team that is a little undermanned come into a game and just play because they want to play. That's kind of how I felt about the South Carolina game this past weekend. You know, we were definitely undermanned 46 scholarship players and came in and played anyways. You know, they could have easily backed out of the game, but it is what it
1: is. We could have easily canceled last weekend's game and already canceled this one. I mean, it's a short turnaround from having all those guys. We were playing Thursday night. So, I mean, it's not like we're having a whole lot of time to get these guys back. And we had a bunch of injuries in the game. So, we could have easily just been like, you know what, like this one's just this ones – we're going to go ahead and can this game. But – um, credit to the staff and the players for wanting to play it anyways and get it in I, i'd much rather see us do that than pull a, a jim harbaugh and just say nah we ain't finna do this so yeah
0: yeah well i guess we can hop over to Davinny for a uga versus mizzou overview
3: yeah so um rankings came out today uh, missouri is at 25 now um, so, it's going to be a top 25 matchup. Um, you know, they honestly came out and did a lot better than I thought they were going to be this year. Um, that their uh, freshman at quarterback, Connor Bay, is like, you know, he's fifth in the SEC in yards. We got 2,000 just over, I think. You know, they got to get pretty good offense going. Roundtree at running back, I think he's fourth in yards in the SEC as well. You know, so, I mean, I feel like this team is going to, you know, be competitive and put up put up some points. Uh, their defense is what um, is the reason why I think that, you know, we're going to end up winning the ball game. Milton's practicing again. Uh, so is LeCount and Jordan Davis. Uh, they've been out uh, the past couple of weeks. Um, I don't think. You're gonna see much of the count uh, or Jordan Davis this weekend. Milton might run it a little bit. It just depends uh, how the game goes. Um, but I'm not seeing them stepping out on the field uh, early on. Um, but I mean, other than that, man, I just want to see you know our offense uh, click uh, with JT. Still, you know, he's proven to be uh, the best we got right now. And uh, he hasn't looked bad. He, his only pick was a deflection or a drop pass at the same time. So, you know, he hasn't made that many mistakes since two starts. Um, hasn't really had a lot of time to, you know, really shit the bed per se. But this is going to be a pretty pretty decent Missouri team. I don't think it's going to be a, you know, cakewalk by any means. You know, they've won some pretty good games this year. But I'm really, I'm really excited. Finally, get to see some, some Georgia football. You know, after a couple of weeks, so uh, I mean, I don't really have much to say other than that. I think, um, you know, defensive wise, there's still a lot of young guys playing, and it's going to be good for next year. Um, you know, we'll talk about next year in the coming weeks and who's. Returning who's leaving, um, I think defense is going to be hit harder than offense. Uh, our offense is really young, got a lot of talent on offense. Um, super excited about that. Also forgot to say uh, Trey Hill is also probably out uh, to the bowl game. Um, he had two scopes on both knees uh, just to clean up his meniscus. So Warren Erickson and Van Pram will be getting reps in at center. This game coming up, Erickson play a little bit uh, against South Carolina, so not too worried about that. We'll see how that dynamic goes. But I mean, other than that, you know, you know, just hoping we can get that offense going. I think uh, now we're just playing for a for a near sixth bowl, which I think you know, hopefully we'll get um, excited to see who we'll be lined up against you know, in about a month from now. Um, But they definitely don't need to look over Missouri's shoulders. I think they're hungry. They're ready to finally play. Um, I know the seniors are. So, you know, it'll be a pretty good game, I think.
0: Yeah, I see this as a game being, you know, I think it might be close in the first half, maybe. But I think, you know, I think Georgia ends up pulling away with it. Georgia's just way more talented. Missouri's a solid team. You know, Drinkwitz is doing a really good job over there as a as a first year head coach at Missouri. But I just, you know, watching them play against South Carolina and yes, they they beat us, but I just, you know, there's a lot of holes in that team. And they're very young and and, you know, they're they're getting into a new offense, a new defense with, with the new head coach and everything. So I think Georgia ends up pulling away, but I think, you know, the first half could be a little interesting. Um, but but yeah. Definitely.
3: Also, there is uh, one, a couple. I always bring some stats to the table because I think they're pretty interesting, besides just like what every other person can see uh, with like, you know, just r- basic stats like rushing and throwing and all that. You know, these stats people actually take the time to look in and be more meticulous. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, You know, throughout the course of the year, you obviously saw Bennett and Mathis at quarterback, and now you see Daniels. Um, I'm just going to give a couple, uh, you know, not big stats, but they're pretty cool to look at. Um, Stuff like average time to throw, pressure on dropbacks, and stuff like that. So Mathis, his average time to throw was 3.2 seconds which is yikes that that tells me one thing that's how you get stacked yes that's all that's decision making and that caused him to get pressured on or not
2: making a decision (laughs) yeah
3: Yeah, that caused him to get pressured on 50 percent of his dropbacks so half of the time he was dropping back out of the 40 times he dropped back he got pressured because he took too long to throw which is why i think he ended up not producing very well. Bennett, mailman, um, average time to throw was 2.57, which shocked me a little bit. I thought it was going to be a little higher. And he got pressured 24% of the 176 times he dropped back in the pocket. Um, And JT, as of two games, his average time to throw is 2.4 seconds. And he's only been pressured 13% out of the 59 dropbacks. And that's lowest in the SEC, but that's off two games. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's stats like that to me speak more about the mental aspects of the game instead of the physical, yeah. um, and which really shows, you know, JT, you know, <laughs> wasn't doing nothing, you know, his first uh, months in the program and I'll give uh, one more stat out there. This is kind of like a uh, adjusted completion percentage. So like Stetson's was fifty four while he was a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. 54 percent completion, and his adjusted was sixty five. So you take away the all those bad passes, the seven drops, and the throwaways. Yeah, um, and, and it was so- only it was only sixty five.
2: Well, if you take away all of his, you know, batted passes, well, I mean, that's a third of his dropbacks.
3: Well, yeah, that's ten percent. <laughs> I added ten percent to his completion and and the drops. But Daniels is seventy, and his adjusted is eighty-two. Which I would come a lot sooner this year, but you know, beggars can't be choosers. Um, so I'm looking to see, uh, you know, JT keep doing what he's doing. Hopefully, uh. Next year will be pretty
0: good. Yeah, I guess some um, some positivity to look forward to for next year with JT Daniels. Um, but I guess we can go ahead and move on into the picks. Sam, if you want to take us away.
2: Yeah. So, first up, a little Thursday night football. We have Georgia Tech and Pitt. Pitt is the, uh, the away team here coming in a seven-point favorite. So, DaVinny, you want to start us off? DaVinny is our new clubhouse leader by a point. So, DaVinny will start us off this week.
3: Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Um, this uh, – I'm, I'm going with Pitt right here, you know, just because I think they're actually a pretty – I think they're better than NC State. You know, I, I was said earlier, um, I think y'all sh- could have won that game against NC State last weekend I actually watched that's like the first tech game I watched a lot of just because there was nothing else to watch and now that we're all talking about it I I know who's playing you know I know what tech football is more now than I did before we started this podcast so it's interesting to you know see guys that you talk about out there Um, but I do think Pitt's Uh, defense is really good, and it's going to be hard to move the ball um, efficiently. Uh, I do think I'll put up points, but I think Pitt comes out with a W right here.
1: I can't blame you for for taking that. I mean, uh, we haven't shown a whole lot of reason for you not to think that way. I think Pitt is a pretty decent team. I think NC State's really – I mean, they're 7-3, and I think. I mean, they're not a terrible team. And uh, Pitts had some some rough games as well. They played pretty well at times, too. So I, I really I don't know if we're gonna come out on top. But you know my rule. So if it's not you That'd know Clemson, if we're not playing Clemson, I'm not going against my boys. So
0: Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, you know I again I want to take Tech. I always want to take Tech because because <laughs> I'm 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 just a low key Tech fan now. Um, but. You know, like Devaney said, Pitt's a solid team. Uh, Their defense is pretty good. Kenny Pickett is usually pretty good unless he's going against Clemson, I guess. Then he just throws a bunch of interceptions. He doesn't know what color his team is, apparently. But, you know, I think this is a winnable game for Tech. I think if they limit turnovers and can get some stops on defense, I think they can win. But I think the safe pick for me here is to take Pitt.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I think for Tech, it's obviously really good that, uh, as Sid mentioned, Rashad Weaver's got an agent now. He's done. Paris Ford's gone. Uh, Jalen Twyman, another one of their best players, he opted out before the season. So three of their best five players, probably on the entire team, uh, will not be playing in this one. But they still have Patrick Jones, Jr., at defensive end, leads the ACC in sacks. They still have DeMar Hamlin at safety, who's really good. Um I just, I just feel like Kenny Pickett uh, and Jordan Addison are, are going to be able to find some holes in the the Tech secondary, so I'm I'm taking the safe pick here and going with Pitt. But moving on to our next game, a little Friday night, Friday night lights uh, on the West Coast. We've got Arizona playing Arizona State. Uh, the Sun Devils are the away team, eleven point favorites.
3: Yeah, this game, I really don't know much about either team um, at all. Uh, All I know is I picked Arizona State, um, you know, when their season started against USC, uh, not too far back, uh, to beat USC. And they almost did. They screwed us. They they almost beat USC. I think it was like the last minute or two they scored a touchdown to go up by one point. So I think I'm going to ride with Arizona State. I'm going to give them one more chance to help me out.
1: Yeah, I I've watched one Arizona State game this year. It was their first one of the year playing them playing uh, USC, and so I uh, I don't know anything about Arizona, so that therefore, going <laughs> Arizona State.
0: Yeah, I mean these this is a battle of two winless teams. Arizona State zero and two, Arizona zero and four. Neither team looks great. Uh, but I think Arizona State has looked a little bit better. You know their losses have been close. They they kept it really close with USC. Um, and you know their young quarterback Jane Daniels in the backfield. I think he's I think he's a solid player. So I'm going to go with Arizona State here.
2: Yeah, Kevin Sumlin is the uh, the head coach for Arizona. If you guys are wondering whatever happened to him, uh, his current overall record there is uh, nine and eighteen. Uh, so basically since. Uh, Khalil Tate had that crazy year a couple years ago, running around like Lamar Jackson. Uh, other than that, they re- they really suck. So give me give me Arizona State. Next game up, we have Maryland uh, at home playing uh, against Rutgers as an eight point favorite. A little tua.
3: I'm going to use um, Sid's uh, logic right here that um, he's used a lot. You know. Maryland beat Penn State, Penn State beat Rutgers, um, therefore, I'm thinking Maryland. Vinny, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, uh, <laughs>
1: it's, it's done pretty well for me. I had a rough week last week, and I, I didn't do a whole lot of my connections, so, um, you know, I'm down a point probably because of that, so I, I, I appreciate the uh, logic being used there, and I'm going the same, same route. I'm, I'm taking the Terps.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting game. Uh, I mean, neither team is is, is really that good. Um, and I also don't know a whole bunch about either team because I don't watch either of them very much. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with y'all. I'm going to go with Maryland. Uh, I think they've, you know, like you said, they beat Penn State, who is not very good, but Penn State, Penn State beat Rutgers. So that must make Rutgers pretty freaking bad. So, I'm going Maryland.
2: Yeah, give me a little Tua, Mike Loxley. Um, I'm, I'm with you all. Clean sweep for, for the Terps here. Uh, the next game up is an interesting one. Uh, a couple of ranked teams, a couple of bad teams. Uh, we have Iowa at home against Wisconsin. The line on this one as of Tuesday night is even.
3: Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't Um, forget to
2: put the spread. There is no spread.
3: Yeah. So I'm going to keep it short. Uh, Wisconsin is poopy trash. Um, So I'm picking Iowa.
1: Very eloquent. (laughs) So I have a problem because I went ahead and took Iowa, just made up my decision. But I'm looking at their uh, common opponents. They both beat Illinois, but Northwestern actually beat uh, Wisconsin – And Northwestern beat Iowa. So I got no, you know, differentiator there. So I just got to stick with my gut and and go with Iowa.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting one for sure. Um, (laughs) You know, Wisconsin, they look good in the first game of the season. Their quarterback, Graham went went crazy for one game. And he's just been pretty average since, you know. Um, Iowa, I know they have a really good offensive line. Uh, which, you know, helps in, in passing and run game. So I think I got to go with Iowa here, but this is just, this is kind of a, this is a toss up. I mean, the spread, the spread's right.
2: I mean, I, I don't really know what to add. I, I'm taking Iowa. Uh, I don't have a good reason, um, but you
0: know, <laughs> I don't we'll think, move on. I don't think any of us do. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, the spread's even. Vegas isn't helping me out. Uh, I, I've watched Wisconsin play. I was not impressed. I haven't seen Iowa, so I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt here.
3: Yeah, I've seen Wisconsin play the past two weeks or the, their past two games. It's ugly. Indiana, it's ugly. And, and Northwest, yeah, it was it was bad. They couldn't move the ball. Like, it was it was terrible to watch. Like that's why I don't watch Big Ten football besides Ohio State. Because (laughs) I was about to say, sounds like
2: the rest of their conference.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean it was, it was ugly.
2: So looks like the next game up, uh, we have Oregon at home, six point favorite against Washington.
3: Dude, this is more teams
2: we know nothing about. This is (laughs) yeah, like this is
3: another game that I just. Dude, I've watched I watched uh, Oregon once this year, and it was against Oregon State. And they lost and they lost <laughs> so, like in Washington it is you know, three and one. Um, so BYU
2: was scared to play them the other week.
3: Yeah. I mean, obviously my goal was to say Oregon, because Oregon is supposed to be the best team in that conference. And they're not anymore. I mean, you got Colorado's undefeated and Oregon has two losses. So, I mean, you just, you never know how the year is going to go. Um, I don't – I mean, Washington did beat Oregon State at the beginning of the year, or back in, the like, the second week in November. So that's – and they beat uh, Boise State um, at the end of last year. They I did don't lose know. to Stanford, though. Yeah, they just lost to Stanford. Who Oregon beat. Yes, who Oregon did beat pretty handedly. And Oregon just lost their last two games. Yeah. Where Where um, – is it at Washington? No, it's at Oregon. Mm. Still won't be any fans. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, uh, I'm going to go Oregon here because they need to win. And it's at uh,
1: – so, so, the problem with, Davini, you being in first place now is you take all my talking points um, when, I'm, when I'm picking. <laughs> so, Oregon's not even the best team in their state right now. but they also beat stanford and washington lost to stanford yeah but washington beat oregon state i really don't know where to go here and i um i blame pac-12 football um, because it sucks (laughs) so if i get this one wrong it's on oregon because we know that they're gonna spot the team at least 17 points out of the gate they're gonna be in a 17 point hole that's what they've done all year so um I'll take seven. I'll take Oregon coming out of the seventeen nothing hole against Washington and pulling it out at the end. Unfortunately, I'm going to go with Oregon.
0: Yeah, I mean i I wanted to watch more Oregon games because of you know the recruits they've they've gotten on defense and and such. I just haven't haven't been able to for whatever reason watching other games or you know whatever whatever it better, may be. Better. So, <laughs> yeah, whatever it may be, but. Like you said, these these two teams, I don't I don't know what the differential is, to be honest with you. I'm just gonna take Oregon. So
2: Well, you know what? Uh, just to break up the monotony, I'm gonna take Washington here. I have no I have no reason. I'm in last place. Who the I mean you you gotta you gotta do (laughs) (laughs)
1: something.
2: Yeah, I mean You You gotta mix it up. There's a reason BYU was scared of these guys. Huskies by ninety.
3: They should have been scared. Uh, the of next chandeliers. How are you saying that? On <laughs> <laughs>
2: the chandeliers. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh hell. Um. So the next game up is probably a game that you guys never expected to be picking. Uh, we will affectionately refer to this one as the Dukey Bowl. We have Florida State at home as a five-point favorite. Never thought I'd say that against Duke.
3: Yeah, Hmm. I'm just sitting here looking at uh, the stats right now um, with Chase Bryce. It's bad. Oh They're not God. good. They're not good. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, I'm I'm surprised he's over the 2,000 yard mark, um, but he has played ten games. So, oh man, this is bad. Oh, um. God darn these things are terrible. <laughs> these things this week
1: are rough. Literally. Holy just shit. One. I'm watching the I'm looking at the schedules trying to get prepared what I'm
3: gonna say. And what I'm, the hell am I gonna say? You're awful. This is what I'm I know.
0: Just just is, just pick one. Just just do it.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go FSU.
0: Oof.
1: I'm doing it. I, I you know, after watching FSU. Us, after watching us play both these teams this year, I told Sam earlier, I was like, I both these teams are just bad and Chase Bryce is bad. bad. Um, so I, I think I'm gonna go Florida State too. I do. I think you know what? Yeah, Duke is dog shit. So
3: they haven't, Florida State hasn't played in a while. So let's just hope you know yeah. they've done something. The past they also
1: past. have like
0: uh half a team left.
1: So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, everybody's quit so or transferred. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, Seminoles.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm with y'all. Both these teams are just bad. They're just really, really bad. On paper, just the raw stats, they look super similar. Both their quarterbacks are throwing for a little over 50% with more interceptions and touchdowns. I don't know what else to say for that. I mean, I'm just going to go with Florida State because this is just a toss-up, to be honest with you.
2: I'm going to be honest with y'all. I, I think both teams will find a way to lose. So I feel like picking a team to win is, you know,
0: I feel like we're
2: all gonna, yeah. I feel like it's kind <laughs> of productive, but I could we have
1: like, a uh, could we have a Frank Beamer? Nothing, nothing into regulation. Cut cliff, his hands <laughs> up,
2: Mike Norvell, fist pumping. I think I think he might be right. I I fully expect Florida State to pull up to this game, uh, looking like they have not practiced in a month because they probably <laughs> haven't. Um, I expect <laughs> to have about sixteen or seventeen dudes uh, on the sideline. I probably have a couple of guys playing with the wrong color pants on uh so i'm gonna take duke here.
1: <laughs> it look like your little cousin's wreck ball team i like playing. it
0: i like it i like it
2: i mean i think we can all just say that regardless of where our teams are right now thank god we're not florida State or duke god almighty but how is that a two-point game this week god bless
1: <laughs> that is rough that should be a consolation game. There should, should be no
2: penalty for guessing that game wrong because <laughs> it is a shit game. Well, that's pretty much how the whole week is. Um, but we'll move on to probably one of the more competitive games. Uh, Georgia Southern at home in Statesboro. Uh, what a place. Uh, taking on App State. Uh, the Mountaineers are a nine-point favorite here. What a shithole.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that place blows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It uh, second that. But. Um. But I think App State is, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty decent team. I think they had a chance to win last weekend despite doing whatever, whatever the hell Louisiana Maybe you tried to give it to them. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. What, that, was, that was probably one of the worst college football experiences I've ever, you know, watched. That was – I don't even know. Like I, I'm speechless. It has to be speechless because we'll I will just wait know. till the Florida State dude game. What was going on? Yeah, yeah you're right. That was like the calls that they were making were just and the snapper like couldn't even snap. Like one of us could have gone out there and been like flag football style, snapping
1: to the park. <laughs> Yeah, you I'm can like, do that. At that point, dude. do that.
3: Just <laughs> do it. Like seriously. Like no one can hit you because you're the long snapper anyway. So just turn around and you be like, "Here, buddy, just give a little underhand toss like the refs do." Like, come on, it's not a horn. Like, you're you're a D1 football program. You can't you cannot be doing that. So, anyway, I'm picking up state here because I think they're actually I think this is going to be a good game because Southern is good this year. Yeah. Again. I, I think
1: Southern's a pretty good team too. They they actually find a way to win a lot of games. Um, They beat Fau this year, which is not a great team, but I mean they just won some ball games. But I I think you just have to take App State here. They're just a solid program in in the group of five. So
0: yeah, man. I mean App State's just a good team. They're just a solid team. They got good players on offense. They're they're solid on defense. George State's good, but I don't think they're on App State's level. You know I don't think they're quite there. So I'm taking App State.
2: Uh, yep, same. I'm I'm taking it out of state. I don't I don't know much about either team. Uh, that seems to be the theme for the week. Uh, let's just blindly pick games. So why not? Um, the next next game we have up is two teams I've actually seen play. Uh, we have Virginia Tech at home against Virginia. Uh, Virginia Tech is a two point favorite here.
3: Yeah, I actually uh, think this might be a pretty decent game, but I also I don't know why you know, when you go to ESPN and stuff like that, it has Virginia Tech with a 65% chance to win uh, this game, which eh, I'm, I think I'm rolling Virginia right here because Virginia Tech has lost four in a row.
1: Yeah, um, Virginia Tech, they're not a good football team really either. Uh, they got some, some issues. I'm not sure what was going on with Hendon Hooker convulsing on the sideline. Um, we'll be interested to see if he's back. That was a little interesting. So uh, I think Virginia is the better football team, which is strange that we're in that state of college football that Virginia is the best team. Well, actually, Liberty probably is. But anyways, I digress. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm going to go with the Cavs here. The Who's?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess just to break it up, I'm just going to go with Virginia Tech. I mean, both these, neither of these teams are that great. Uh, Khalil Herbert for Virginia Tech is is one of the top running backs in in the nation. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to ride with that, Virginia Tech. Uh,
2: Yeah, these are two teams that are not very good, but they both have really good offensive lines. Uh, So I expect to see, you know, both offenses move the ball pretty effectively. Uh, But like Davinny said, Virginia Tech's lost each of their last four. Uh, They've lost, what is this, five of their last six. I mean, they're – they're struggling right now. Um, what's his name? Hendon Hooker didn't play. I don't know if you guys watched the game, but he came out against us and looked like he was hurt. He could barely walk back to the locker room. Um, he was just cold. So I'm, 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 I'm taking Virginia here. And our final, our final game, our game of the week, maybe the only game worth watching this week, uh, we have Miami at home, a three-and-a-half-point favorite against North Carolina.
3: I'm rolling with the Hurricanes, man. And the only reason is because, uh, like I've said all year, North Carolina, you know, is a team that has, you know, the ability to go out there and win big games. Um, They shouldn't be seven and three. I think, you know, talent-wise they're better. But, um, you know, they almost are six and four. They almost lost to Wake you know, 59-53, so I'm, that's why I'm, the Hurricanes aren't, you know, Miami's not this elite powerhouse. I don't think either, but I'm,
1: I'm rolling Miami. So this one's tough for me. Uh, I have to take UNC because I'm looking at the points here and all our picks are the same, and so if I want to jump to any of the points, I, I got to take UNC and hope to God they somehow win. Um, I think UNC's these are both actually pretty good teams. Um, UNC's defense isn't great, so that kind of scares me. But I'm gonna go with the, the Tar holes.
0: Yeah, I'm going. I'm going with Sam Howell. Going with the two-headed, two-headed beast of running back that UNC has. They got some dudes outside. I think it's gonna be a high-scoring game. I think you know. I think UNC has the weapons to to come out on top on this one. Also,
1: Miami just lost their top cornerback. He's not playing. So,
2: Hmm, interesting. Do you know his name? Uh, I don't. I can look it up while you make your pick. Doesn't matter. UNC is going to keep scoring. Um, yeah, I, I think this 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 should be a really interesting game. They're pretty evenly matched, but I just. Al Blades Junior. Them. Okay, Blades. Okay, yeah.
1: Not their best, I mean, but I think he's one of their top guys.
2: Yeah, he is number seven. He he's definitely a, a starter. Um, I think it'll be a close game. Um, I think these teams are are pretty evenly matched. Um, but I think I think Sam Powell and North Carolina can outscore
0: them. Yeah. Well, there you have it. There's what we got to say: recaps, questions, overviews, picks. It's all here for you. So who won? Who won last week? Nobody. We all. We suck. were all
2: five and four. Uh, Jacob and DeVinny tied.
0: We all suck. But none, nobody none deserves us, a minute after no. a
2: shit week like that. Nobody deserves a minute.
1: No,
0: none of us get a minute. But anyways. All the listeners out there. Also, follow us on Twitter. Yeah, follow us on Twitter at the Four Verse Podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll be back. Peace. Deuces.